Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, our show is called Stuff Mom Never Told You. Yes, it is. But today I'm going to talk about something my mom always told me. Oh, okay. She always told me this every time I had to wear pantyhose or tights for like church or special occasions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not like pantyhose and tights. Okay. I hate them. And the reason I hate them is because I don't like how it feels Um, like when you walk and you can hear them like rubbing together. Like, yeah, I just hate how that feels. I hate how it sounds. I hate everything about it. So when I was a small child, um, I would compensate for that by starting to walk wider and wider. Kind of like you were saddle sore? Yeah, almost like I was sort of like a, evolving into a duck or some other creature. Um, and so whenever my mom saw this start to happen, she would be like, Molly, stop walking like you've got a corn cob up your bottom. And so now, once I figured out how a corn cob would get up my bottom, then I was really freaked out and didn't want to wear tights or hose. And yeah. even now, like when I have to wear them, it, which is rarely, rarely, let me tell you, Kristen, I still think, man, I am really walking like there's a corn cob up my bottom. <laughs> you have some deep-seated psychological traumas attached to nylons. I really do. I really hate them. And so I was determined to find out where they came from, which is the topic of today's podcast. <laughs> where they came from so that you can destroy it? So that I can <laughs> constantly vilify the man who came up with them. And yes, ladies, it was a man. It was a man. But, but you know, for the record, I'll say I'm I'm not anti-tights. Anti-pantyhose are a different matter. There's just, there's something different about pantyhose. But I don't mind tights. As a former ballerina, I'm quite accustomed to the feeling of tights on my legs. <laughs> That sounds weird to say like that. And the man, Molly, I believe you are referring to is Alan Gant. Yes. And, you know, I we we try not to mail bash. And I said, oh, he's in, invented by a man real condescendingly. But the fact is he invented them for his poor pregnant wife. Yeah, it was Alan Gant was trying to uh, to be nice. Basically, he and his wife were on a trip. I believe they were going to New York City from North Carolina, from North Carolina, going to the Big Apple. And his wife, Ethel Boone Gant, was very, very pregnant. And of course, a fine lady like Ethel Boone Gant would not be seen in the big city without her nylons on. But back then, since we didn't have, you know, pantyhose that just you can pull up that are all in one piece, you had your, your nylons and then your, your garter belt, I think, mm-hmm. and that hooked on. And imagine, I mean, or a girdle. Or a girdle. Yeah. And imagine all of, all of that, um, on top of a very pregnant belly that would not have been very comfortable. Right. So she was basically like, I can't be seen in public anymore until after this child is born because I cannot comfortably walk around with all these things on. Yeah, and so, and this was in 1953, and Alan Gant Sr. was then running a textile company called Glen Raven Mills. And he thought, well, what if I took a pair of panties and fastened stockings to it? And, um, and so Ethel thought that was a great idea, so she kind of made a, um, a test model of them and, then she gave the test model to Alan and he took it back to his textile company and Alan got together with some of his, his buds at the textile mill and they developed what they later called panty legs. Right. And you know, from, from step one, I can tell it's a bad idea to put the word panty in the title. Maybe that's the one reason I don't like them. Well, not the one reason, but one of the reasons. Anti-panty, anti-hose. So many Molly. people hate the word panty. I know I'm not alone in that. 
Well, we'll get to some other, uh, some other clever titles for, uh, for pantyhose. Um, but they hit the shelves in 1959, but they really didn't become really popular until the mid sixties because women were still wearing the girdles and garter belts and, uh, all of that. And it was with the rise of hemlines and the introduction of the mini skirt and fashion icons such as Twiggy, who really brought pantyhose and tights into the mainstream. Right, because they wanted to wear skirts that were shorter than their garters. Mm -hmm. So when hemlines rose, so too did sales of the pantyhose. And then that's when they got all crazy with, like, cool designs Mm -hmm. and cool, like, colors. Psychedelic patterns. Bandex came into being. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when women started really going into the workplace in the 70s and the 80s, that was just what you wore to work. Like, you know, my mom is appalled that I can just wear jeans and khakis and whatever I want, really, to um, come in here and podcast while she, when she worked at a bank, would, would wear pantyhose. But... There came a shift around the end of the 90s when women got really tired of being confined in these in these pantyhose. And uh, the Hosiery Association president, Sally Kay, attributes this to a more relaxed work environment. Basically, like you said, Molly, we can come in right now. You and I are wearing... We're wearing jeans. I'm wearing a t-shirt. T-shirts, casual shoes, no pantyhose, no, no leg exposure or business suits. So there's this more relaxed atmosphere in the office. So why should we, why should we put on uncomfortable pantyhose to come into work? That's true. And you know, I have to say, I was telling Kristen this earlier. If I had to work at a job where I had to wear pantyhose every day, cause I know that there are still some conservative work environments where that is still the sure. norm, where you do wear a skirt, the hose, closed toe heels, all that. I don't think I would want to work there if I had to keep that up. But Molly, I must say, for my own my own uh, fashion preferences, it, winter is coming, and I like tights. Not necessarily pantyhose. There's a difference. You know, tights are kind of comfy. I prefer leggings. But even though pantyhose have uh, have dipped down in sales since the uh, the 90s, in 2008 there were still 1.4 billion pairs of pantyhose sold. Yeah, so they're not going anywhere. Probably not. Um, and you know, all of that number, as well as the story of Alan Gant, came from Joseph Caputo at Smithsonian. But when we were researching this, we also found um, a kind of neat article from USA Today. And we talked about relaxed office dress. This article went over sort of why the pantyhose sales have gone down in mm-hmm. addition to the workplace thing. I liked this um, theory, which I'd never heard before. They said pantyhose sales have gone down because of the sex in the city effect. Yeah. How many problems or glories in women's life, lives can they blame on sex in the city? I, I, w- I would like to uh, I would like to say that I think the media overestimates <laughs> how much women base their lives around Carrie Bradshaw and her gaggle of gals. But how many times have we podcasted about her, Kristen? She comes up a lot. So she maybe, does come up. So maybe she's coming up yet again because, yeah. as USA Today points out, you never saw a hose on Carrie Bradshaw. But even though, okay, so maybe they're calling this a Sex and the City effect, but at the same time, like the characters in Sex and the City are just styled to be extremely fashionable. So they're just reflecting the fashion trends of the time anyway. That's true. But they were saying that because they all wore strappy sandals and short skirts with no hose, that that sort of set a standard, as did just, you know, how... I don't know if I buy this one either, but basically they're saying that because now we have a lot of spray tans and self-tanning creams, that we wouldn't need that sheen that, like, nude pantyhose can add to your legs. For me, whenever I wear those, like, like two nude pantyhose, so I feel like I have mannequin legs. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I, maybe that's just me. Yeah, right. Listeners, write in and let me know what you think on that. Um, but there, there are also uh, some things that 
hose companies have been doing to try to revamp their their sales in addition to making things like uh, more leggings and fishnets that would be appropriate for the workplace and um, stirrup tights, footless tights. But they also had, uh, there are also body shapers, for instance, Spanx, which is um, a neighbor. Their headquarters, I think, is right down the street from us, um, is right really big right now because it's uh, these body shapers, basically like super duper control top mm-hmm. pantyhose and other mainstream pantyhose lines are coming out with, uh, with body shapers as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, a uh, niche market, which I was not aware of till I started researching this, Kristen, is men. Yeah, I liked this. We found an article in the Wall Street Journal called King Size, Not Queen. Some men have taken to wearing pantyhose. And, you know, they acknowledge that some men in the past who needed pantyhose might have been cross-dressing. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, or, you know, they saw men in stores and just assumed they were buying pantyhose for a wife or a girlfriend. But apparently men have caught on that these are really good to keep your legs warm. Mm-hmm. To keep, you know, your circulation, you know, some people, instead of wearing the support hose that you get recommended, are wearing pantyhose instead. And they say it's not that far a jump from, like, bicycle leggings yeah. or running shorts. To tight thermals. To wearing some tight thermals. Yeah, according to this article, which came out, this was in 2002, so, it's, so it is a little dated. But nevertheless, it says it's shapings.com, which is a lingerie website offering European brands. About 85% of women's hosiery sales go to men, many of whom, and I like to say, place two orders, a big one for themselves and a little one for the lady at home. <laughs> But there is, you know, kind of a problem about how you market this very distinctly lady product mm-hmm. to a male. Um, there's this um, line called Active Skin. It used to be called Comphalon. And their tagline was, Comphalons are not your mother's pantyhose. So it was basically like, guys, it's okay. We know you want to wear these comfortable, warm, supportive hose. Yeah, and in this article, they interviewed a guy who worked with Shapings.com, which apparently sells a lot to men, and he suggested that they rename the men's power skin. Power skin. You know what, Now, also now the winter is rolling around, and now that I know that some men are secret pantyhose wearers, now I'm going to be uh, looking to see if I can catch a, catch a snip of hose poking through any, any yeah i mean they say you know if you're wearing long pants no one can necessarily know but there were some guys in this article who wear them under shorts yeah so but you know works men were the first people to wear hose you know pantyhose as we exist as we know them with the nylons um have existed since since alan gant invented them but hose sort of the rudimentary versions have been around since forever right yeah because hose are basically um the evolved product of socks because in medieval times uh the noble classes started to wear socks if only to uh make their shoes less uncomfortable because obviously they didn't have super comfortable shoes back then and so if you had a little more money to spend you could wear some uh some socks that would be woven by hand to fit your feet because they didn't have all of the the nice stretchy materials uh that we have now and uh so they could they would they would put them on to uh to protect their feet so practical yes. earlier generations those medieval nobles <laughs> and they're big in the renaissance for men but i think that things really took off in 1937 that i guess is really the the direct predecessor of what Alan Gant came up with, 1937, was when nylon was invented, this revolutionary new yarn. And um, they had this big display of nylons at the 1939 New York World's Fair, and it was just the biggest deal in the world. Women bought over 4 million pairs when they first went into stores. Um, during World War II, soldiers learned that if you wanted to trade something to a lady, offering her some nylons was mm-hmm. a good way to 
to get what you wanted. And teenage girls during shortages of nylons during the war would just paint like the seam onto their legs so that they looked like they were in style. But that would all lead up to the girdle or the garter belt, which I always thought would be better for me because, you know, I don't like how the thighs feel when they rub together. Yeah. Corn cob up the butt. Um, so maybe I should have just investigated maybe, garters maybe more. You should, I think that you should just bring back the garter belt. I guess. Go, I mean, you know, Mad Men's really in style. I bet those ladies are wearing garters. That's true. I yeah. do love that show. There you go. Um, we do have, just to finish things up, a cool fun fact, some cool fun facts about how pantyhose are made. Yeah, uh, it takes about 10 minutes for a, a single hose to be knitted, and the legs are actually knitted separately, as you would imagine, and then they are joined together in unison to uh, to make the the final um, product. But when they're first knit, they are approximately six feet long, depending on the style and type of yarn, and then they go through a pressurized seaming oven that basically shrinks them down to the to the little hose we have on the from the store. But depending on like what company's making them, they might do something where they kind of shape it to the leg. You know, mm-hmm. you can buy, depending on how much money you want to spend, you can buy them so they're, you know, pre-shaped. And the ones that have like, uh, lace on them and things like that uh, cost more, not so much because, uh, the lace is expensive, but it's because they have to create that stuff out of, uh, out of house. And they do it by hand. Yeah, and they Some do it places. by hand. So that ups the, uh, ups the cost. And with all of this, uh, this technology that's gone into making these hose, socks, hose, everything for hundreds of years now, we're now to the point, Molly, and this is from that USA Today article that you pulled out, that, uh, we have hose that might actually be good for us. For instance, Haynes has a line called Silk Reflections that's designed to improve your circulation and is infused with vitamin E to soften the skin. High tech hose. Hashtag host, but never forget that they can also give you yeast infections. So wear some with the cotton crotch. Wonderful advice to end that on, Molly. <laughs> and if you have any thoughts on pantyhose, uh, if you're like me, if you're anti-pantyhose with till your dying breath, I want to hear from you. Or if you're like me and, you know, you don't mind tights all that much. So we're going to hear from you guys about your thoughts on pantyhose. In the meantime, let's do some quick listener mails from people who wrote in on our other podcasts. So our first email is from Tiffany, and she is writing on the co-sleeping podcast. She wrote, I think parents who choose this route are often looked at as crazy hippies, but it really saved my sanity in the first few weeks after my daughter was born. She wanted to breastfeed almost every hour, and I would have been exhausted if I had to get up and feed her. One product that helped that you didn't mention is a co-sleeper bassinet that you lay right on the bed. It has metal sides that prevent you from rolling onto it, but otherwise it lays flat on the bed. I also wanted to comment that as a new mother, I was petrified of something happening to my daughter, and for the first few weeks, I woke at every little squeak and grunt she made. It was nice to have her right next to me so I could reassure myself that she was still breathing. After a month, she went into the pack-and-play and then on into the crib. Now, except for the occasional nightmare-induced sleepover, she does just fine on her own. So you can practice a little attachment parenting and not be stuck with a clingy child for life. Thank you, Tiffany. All right, I've got another one on co-sleeping from Katie. And she says that the age of the child is also an important factor in co-sleeping. I was too scared of suffocating my baby to ever be an active co-sleeper. But I did occasionally co-sleep with my baby when she was particularly fussy or sick. This happened the most when she was a newborn and happened less and less as she 
uh, has gotten older. As she's gotten more independent and developed, more of her own routines and habits, she's also slept better and better on her own to the point now, at 20 months old, that she won't go to sleep if I'm there with her, even when sick, and actually wants to be in her bedroom alone. Interesting. Um, and uh, she also brought up the issue of uh, sex and co-sleeping. Um, and she said, as a newborn, we kept her in a bassinet in our bedroom and regularly had sex with her in the room. Now that she's walking and learning to talk, though, the thought of having sex with her in the room is beyond creepy. Newborns, newborns are blissfully unaware of what is going on around them, so it's really not that weird to have them around in those intimate moments. A toddler, though, is super interested in what's going on and wants to understand all of it. That's not something I really want to explain to her yet. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Sounds fair. So if you have an opinion on co-sleeping, pantyhose, or anything else under the sun, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And while you're over there at howstuffworks.com, you can check out our blog, How To Stuff, where we write about how to do things. It's a pretty clever title. And you can check out articles on fashion, parenting, and all the rest of it at, you guessed it, howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?